Welcome to Healing Your Families. I'm Emily Penrod and I help you as a parent go from frustration, stress, and overwhelm to calm, confidence, and joy so that you can achieve the quality of family life that you desire. That's what I want for you. And I am really excited about today's episode because we're going to be talking about how you can program your child's mind for success. Now, let's talk first for a minute, you know, what do we mean by success? What does that look like? What do we want for our children? I think we can all agree that we want our children to be happy. We want to raise independent adults who can think for themselves, make their own decisions, and contribute to society. And more than that, we want them to be able to set lofty goals and have that determination and self-discipline to be able to push through challenges and reach those goals. We want them to be able to dream big and live well. And in order for them to do that, we realize that they need to have confidence. They need to believe in themselves. And so we want to program their mind to, to do that, to have that high self-esteem, to believe in themselves. Now understand that we're not talking about any kind of a mind control. We really can't control our children. When they're born, they're weak and helpless and we do everything for them, but as they grow, they start doing their own thinking and we can only influence them. The only person we can really control is ourselves. So we're talking about how we can influence our children. And but I need to begin by explaining how your mind works. Your mind can be compared to an iceberg. And we all know that the tip of the iceberg, the part above the surface of the water that you can see, is only part of the iceberg. In fact, it's the smallest part of the iceberg. The bulk, the largest mass, is underneath the surface of the water. And your mind is like that. Your conscious mind is like the tip of the iceberg. That's the part of your mind that you use when you take in information from your senses. This is where you're doing your thinking, your reasoning, your decision making. And it's easy enough to believe that that is all there is to your mind. But just like the iceberg, there's the much more massive part underneath the surface, and that's your subconscious mind. Your subconscious mind is like a huge database. It's just gathering information. Everything you see, everything you hear, everything that happens to you, everything you do, the good, the bad, and the ugly, it's all stored in this database. And like a computer program, this data starts forming mental programs. It starts forming belief systems. And these belief systems determine how you feel about yourself, how you feel about the world around you, and how you interact. 
For example, suppose you make the decision in your conscious mind that you want to improve your health and you're going to cut out sugar. No more sweets for you. You've made that decision. And the next thing you know, you're eating a donut. Well, if you have a belief system, a mental program running that says, sugar calms me down. Sugar is soothing. I can't do without sugar. It's not going to happen. That subconscious, which, by the way, resists change. It doesn't like to change. It wants to keep things the way they are. And you will need to get that conscious and the subconscious on the same page. So your child is like this. They, they have their mental programs running in their subconscious. Well, who would be the person most qualified for managing that programming, influencing what information goes into that database? Well, obviously it's you as the parent. You are the master programmer for your child's subconscious mind. So we're going to talk about 10 ways that you can effectively program your child for success. And this is using your, your influence as a parent. Now the first way is to be aware of when this programming starts. It doesn't start at birth. Biology, we know from biology that the brain and the spinal cord begin developing three weeks after conception. So three weeks into the pregnancy, this is starting to happen. And then scientists like Dr. Thomas Verney have done research with expectant mothers and with our modern equipment, they've been able to measure what's going on with the baby, measure their heart rate and reactions. And they found that they react to sound, to music, to the environment the mother was in. They don't know exactly when, but before birth, that, that subconscious mind is beginning to collect information. So their recommendation is, as soon as you know you're pregnant, begin that program, begin that message of love and excitement. I'm so happy to have this little one come join our family. We're going to love you. You're going to be wonderful. And while they don't know exactly when it starts impacting the unborn child, one thing for sure is it will change your mindset. Becoming a parent is a life-changing event. It can be a very difficult transition. And if you're able to go into it just with your heart full of love, your mind full of positive feelings and thoughts, it will be much easier. So that's the first one. Begin bonding with your child as soon as you know that, you're, that one is on the way. And the second way has to do with the words you use. Now, as soon as the baby's born, of course, you're, you're, you'll start talking to the baby and, and interacting. And as they grow and get older, they'll hear your words quite often. 
be aware that words have energy. We know that there are some words that inspire us, that motivate us, that really make us want to get up and do something. And then there are other words that intimidate us, that shut us down. Words have energy. They have power. Be very careful about the words you use around your child. You may think it's funny to tease them about having big ears, but children take things literally. They could well start that mental program that I look funny. I'm not good enough. It's natural to want to compare siblings, but think about what impact that could cause. Will they begin comparing themselves and deciding I'm just not good enough? Be very aware of the words you use around your child. Keep them positive. Keep them loving. Keep them kind. The third way is listening. Intentional listening. Have you had that experience when someone really listened to you? They weren't doing anything else. They didn't have their phone in their hand. Their focus was entirely on you. They, main, they were maintaining eye contact. They were watching your facial expressions, watching your body language. They really wanted to understand what you were saying and how you were feeling. Wasn't that a validating experience? Didn't that help you feel like you really mattered? You had worth? When you are able to intentionally listen to your children, it sends, starts that belief system that they have worth. They're worth listening to and their parent cares about them enough to listen to them. That is a powerful way to influence your child, to believe in themselves and to have high self-esteem. Along with that intentionally, intentional listening, number four is what we call safe talk. As you focus your listening, and I know that will be challenging. Parenting is so demanding. You have so many things to do. Maybe you really want to listen to your child when they first come home from school, but you're fixing dinner and taking care of the baby and doing the laundry, and it, it's, it's, it's hard. But let me remind you that the most valuable gift, the most valuable, precious thing you can do for your children is to give them your time. It's a gift only you can give. And it's finite. There are only 24 hours in a day. So when you give them this precious gift of your time, that helps them feel precious. So set find some time. Maybe it's at bedtime. Maybe it's in the morning. But make that time when your focus is entirely on your child and you are listening to understand them. And add that with step number four, and that's safe talk. This means you're creating a space for your child where it is safe for them to freely express their thoughts, their feelings, their fears, their concerns, and you're just listening to understand and validate those feelings. Now here's the big temptation. We're parents. 
we're always looking for those teaching moments when we can you know put in that little nudge to help them become better or improve and it's really tempting to do this but not at this time let me give you an example suppose your son comes home from school and he's so excited about the day he had he got to play with his best friend and it was so fun and he mentions that, that his best friend got straight A's on his report card and before you know it that that trigger goes off it's out of your mouth before you can stop it and you're saying well you know you could get straight A's too if you just studied a little harder picture this you're communicating with someone who is really focused on you listening you're feeling like they really care about you they get you and then suddenly they slam you down that would affect your trust for them wouldn't it wouldn't that affect your feelings about future conversations don't do it resist the urge this is not a teaching moment this is a time to listen and allow them to talk and be accepted no judgment the fifth way is really quite simple it's laughter we know that laughter has healing properties and laughter is also bonding you know we tend to take ourselves very seriously as parents we tend to feel like you know parenting is no laughing matter but think of those bonding times you had with friends when you got together and you just laughed it could be over something silly sometimes you were just laughing from the sheer joy of being together give your children that let that affect those mental programs they're running that there is joy in being part of a family in being loved and being cherished that brings us to number six which is love languages you know we all have our own unique way of expressing and interpreting or receiving love some of us love the words whether they're spoken or written they like that I love you I appreciate you you're so important to me and when those words are used we feel loved others prefer the physical touch they like the hugs and the kisses and still others prefer gifts when they get a gift they feel loved and when they give someone else a gift all of their love goes with it that's for them is how love is expressed and still others prefer an act of service if you love me do the dishes or when you do the dishes I know you love me you really love me and still others just value time together just spend time with me I don't care what we do I just want to be with you so we usually have use more than one language but everyone is unique now picture this if you had a friend who was deaf and only used sign language and you wanted to nurture that relationship you would probably make an effort to learn some sign language at least enough to communicate with them because you value that now what happens if your love language is gifts 
and your child's love language is spending time together and you're just sending them gifts, dropping them off and thinking there, now they know I love them, they may not feel it. They may not recognize that expression of love. Express your love for them in their love language. And you know their love language because you're spending this time listening to them, giving them that safe space to freely express their thoughts and feelings. You will know. You'll be able to identify how they receive love, how they feel loved. You'll see it when their eyes light up by the look on their face. And you'll notice, does that happen when I give them a gift? Does it happen when I give them a hug? Focus on your child's love language and help them write that mental program that my parents love me. I am worthy of love. Now, number seven, again, as parents, we want the best for our children. We want to be their best. And so we're always looking at what needs to be fixed, what needs to be improved. And we're quick to point it out. They need to sit up straighter. They need to ride a little more neatly. Maybe they need to spend more time combing their hair. Again, imagine what it would be like to work for an employer or a supervisor who was constantly picking at your faults. You could do 20 things perfectly and make one mistake and they would harp on that one mistake. Sounds pretty discouraging. You wouldn't feel good about yourself, would you? Well, number seven is catch them being good. Shift your focus from those little flaws to what they're doing well. Children need an adult to point out to them what their strengths are, what their talents are, and what they're doing right. Do that for them. Let them hear you bragging about them to someone else, an extended family member or a neighbor. Let them hear and know that you see the good in them and you applaud it and you celebrate every little success. Sometimes we spend more time and energy berating a child for a mistake they made than celebrating a, any progress that they make, and that's sad. Help them develop that program, that belief system, that they are progressing and they can get better and better. Now, aid is kind of the inverse of this. It's easy to love your children when they're being good, when they're doing what you want them to do. The irony is the time when your children will need your love the most is the times when they are being the most unlovable. Quite often when children act out at home or in school, it's because they're hurting inside. They don't feel good about themselves. They don't feel good about the world. They don't feel like there's any trust. 
And the scolding and the recrimination only makes it worse. This is the time when they need to feel your unconditional love. They need to know that you love them forever and no matter what. Now this does not mean that you are condoning their behavior or accepting it in any way. You are separating the person from the behavior. This is your child whom you love and always will, no matter what they do. And this is the behavior that needs to change. As they feel this unconditional love and begin to heal from the hurt inside, and you are the one loving them, building that bond of trust, then they're ready to look at the behavior and make some changes and you can help guide them through it. But there needs to be that unconditional love. That unconditional love has a healing effect on those negative programs that they picked up. And they can begin to heal from that and start running some positive programs where they feel worthy of being loved. They feel capable. They feel like they can change and improve and become a better person. Now number nine is emotional intelligence. And Daniel Goleman wrote a book by that name. He defined emotional intelligence as the ability to be aware of your own emotions and manage them appropriately, recognize emotions in others, and respond in a beneficial way. And I, I, in earlier episodes, I've talked about this in greater detail. There are also several other show hosts who talk about this as well. But while in his book, he outlines several programs that schools and parents can use to teach children this emotional intelligence, how to manage their emotions, <coughs> he stressed that the greatest benefit for children is to be raised by a parent with emotional intelligence, to be raised by an emotionally intelligent parent. So become that parent. If you struggle with emotions, sometimes you feel like your emotions are using you, know that emotions are just energy. We can learn from them, and we can use that energy to take action, to make the changes we need to make. We'll go into this again in, in more detail in other episodes. But number nine is give them that blessing of being raised by an emotionally intelligent parent. Now number 10 has to do with the reticular activating system or RAS for short. And this is actually a very small part in your brain. It's only two inches long, it's about as wide as a pencil, and it extends from the brainstem, brainstem to the midbrain. And it's just a small thing, but it has a huge, huge job. And it is actually a filter 
it will, it's like a bouncer at a nightclub. Your brain is bombarded with so much information from your senses, from your thoughts, everything going on around you, that there has to be a filter. It'd be overwhelming if it all hits your brain. So that's the job of the RAS. And the focus is number one on your safety. So you'll hear any sounds that threaten you much louder than you'll hear other sounds. But it is also, it responds to your belief systems. So you've probably experienced it this yourself. Maybe you go to work one day, you don't feel good about yourself, you don't feel good about the outfit you're wearing, and when someone tries to compliment you and say, hey, you look really nice today, you're going, no, no, no. Your RAS, just kick that out. It's not going to let it in. It's not congruent with your belief system. The same thing happens to your children. Your child comes home from school and they're really dejected and feeling very poorly about themselves and they say, the kids at school say I'm dumb. And you can immediately spring into action, honey, that's just not true, you're so smart. Remember you got a, an A on the spelling test last week and, and you're just amazing. And their Raz will reject it. It's not congruent with their current belief system. In order to get around, to bypass, we need to learn to bypass that RAS, that, that filter. And this can be done through a process of helping the child get in a more relaxed state. Now, my next week, that's the entire show is going to be on this step. I will be as my, I will have as my guest Carrie Burley, who is the CEO of the Golding Institute, and she teaches this method that parents can use to help their child if they have negative programs running in their subconscious. They have faulty belief systems that they're not good enough. Parents can help them, just like you would with a computer program, a virus that's harming your computer. You would eliminate it, delete it, replace it with a better one. And that's what she teaches in this process. Be sure to be here next week to hear that. Now, I want to review our, our um, 10 ways. Number one. Remember, begin bonding before birth. At some point before birth, your child's subconscious is starting to collect data. Use positive words when you talk to them all the time they're growing up. Remember, their subconscious is listening. Listen to them with intention. Give them that precious gift of your time every day. Communicate without an agenda. Let them talk freely to you. Laugh together. Communicate in their love language. Catch them being good. Shift the focus from their mistakes and faults to what they do well. Love them unconditionally. Help them heal when they're hurt and wounded. Be an emotionally intelligent parent. Develop that in yourself. 
and bypass the reticular activating system. And again, more on that next week. So, please go to my website, healingyourfamilies.com, and schedule a 30-minute complimentary call. Bring me your greatest challenge. I'll bring my best solutions. You can also go to the Win Win Women store. My book, Power Parent, is in that store. And if, the, if your answer to the question, who's in charge at your house, isn't you, you'll want a copy of this book. joining me and I need to stop here they oh dear join me again next week at the same time until then love yourself love by strengthening families, one family at a time.